Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 157. It's a special uh, edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast in two ways. Number one, it's special because we have our old friend uh, Joel Luckup with us today. How are you today, Joel? Uh, I'm doing well, and you? Oh, I'm doing doing just fine. And the second way this is a special edition is that uh, it's sort of a deep dive into the career of Brandon Phillips, former Red second baseman, I guess at this point. Uh, the news started breaking on Saturday evening and all through Sunday morning. Brandon Phillips appears to have been traded to Atlanta, has been uh, traded for two players. He waived his no-trade clause to sort of nothing players. The Reds are paying most of the money, 13 out of the 14 million he's owed next year, I'm told. Uh, and there's lots of other details that we'll dig into, but uh, do you have any sort of initial thoughts about Brandon Phillips being traded? Um you know, I, I said this on Twitter, and you'll probably hear that a lot today, but uh, to me, this trade was mostly a, um, about saving a little bit of face for both the organization and for Phillips by not having to release him uh, at some point in the spring, because I think that was pretty much inevitable from the, the way that it sounds. Uh, the Reds didn't get a whole lot back in the deal. The two guys that they got back, two pitchers, are probably uh, very unlikely to be making it uh, – or do anything with the organization this year or, or with the with the big league squad this year and their future is pretty unlikely anyway given that one of them's 29 the other one's 27 so uh it's kind of a, a roundabout way of just releasing phillips and giving him a chance to play with his hometown team yeah you know uh, G- jim bowden former Reds general manager and well-known uh well, I'm not going to say what he's well known for being, but uh, <laughs> he he was uh, spreading the, the rumor today on, uh, I guess it was MLB Network Radio, that the Reds were prepared to release Phillips at the end of uh, the spring. Now, whether that would have happened or not, I don't know, but um, either way, I think you're exactly right. This is a way to, uh, it's, the, it's the least messy way this divorce could have ended with, with the Reds and Brandon Phillips, in, in my opinion. Because if it had gotten to where they he was released, that's a, that's a bad look for a guy that's one of the best second basemen in, in franchise history. And uh, this way, you're right, he's, in, he's going home. Uh, it, it you know, It's a fair trade probably, but uh, it's not as ugly for both sides. Right, and, and to be honest, there's – I mean the, the only real way a player – who's been with the team for a long time has a nice clean breakup is retirement. And even then, you know, sometimes a player hangs around a little too long and, you know, it's a little awkward, but you know, if a player doesn't retire with a team that he's been with for a long time, it's almost always, there's almost always a little bit of dirtiness or ugliness or, you know, unhappiness uh, within the fans and within just the whole situation. Um, So, you know, giving, given the fact that, you know, Phillips wasn't going to retire with the Reds. Uh, this deal probably, at the very least, um, and like we said, just saves a little bit of face for everybody involved. Well, it does at this point. Brandon's well known for being a little prickly and having a little bit of an ego, and and we haven't heard his comments uh, in his first press conference with uh, the Braves. He, he could make it ugly, but uh, but but as of now, this is the best it's gonna best it's gonna get. I think. And, and you know, what the Reds are getting back, you mentioned the two guys. They're really nothing. Um, 
and and the Reds are going to have to pay thirteen million dollars, evidently, out of that fourteen. That's you know, it is what it is. It's a lot of money, certainly a lot of money to me, but uh-huh. but that's money the Reds were going to have to pay anyway. And and really, what the Reds get out of this is at least a, a few more at bats, five hundred at bats for the young guys that we've got to find out at some point whether these uh and we're speaking primarily about Dilson Herrera and uh, Jose Peraza whether they're going to be the guys that can handle the job for the next good Reds team whenever that is and uh so so to, to me the big benefit is you're not you're not cutting a guy that's going to be in your Reds Hall of Fame and you're opening up spots for young guys it's it's a it's sort of a win-win for the Reds, even though a lot of people uh, who love Brandon Phillips, very reasonably so, are not happy with it. Right, right. And I don't know who it was that made the point, but uh, somebody said – it may have been you – but somebody said uh, you can both love Brandon Phillips and be okay with the fact that this deal was made. And uh, and I think that's true. I think that you know you just it's, – it's okay to be hurt that he has to be dealt but um, you know the people that are going off the you know the other end of the what do they say? What's the expression? Jumping off the cliff or whatever, uh, saying that they will never be Reds fans again. I don't think have a good perception of where the Reds are as an organization. Uh, for 2017, trading Brandon Phillips at at most probably at, at the worst in the worst case scenario probably cost the Reds two wins. Um, and but those two wins are so irrelevant in terms of what the future means for the Reds that I, I don't know how you get hung up on those two wins. Now I understand people like to watch Brandon and he's fun to fun to see play and all that stuff. Um, I don't know as a as somebody who would rather the team worked on getting back to winning, I'm okay with the deal. Right, exactly. Yeah, he, and he has been fun to to watch over the years, and I don't want to discount that. And I'd like to sort of dive into that just a little bit in a moment. But uh, what the Reds need to be doing at Red Nation, we sort of called it a season for sorting. I think was the the term that uh, Steve Mancuso used in a in a good post we had at Red Lake Nation, by which it means that 2017 is a year of finding out what we've got. You know, that the club has claimed that they expect to at least be. Uh, tilting in the direction of competitiveness in 2018. But if you don't, if you were starting Brandon Phillips all year long, you don't know whether Dilson Herrera can be the 2018 second baseman. You don't, right. and, and if you, and if you don't know that you're going to take, it's going to take some more time to find out who is right this year. If we can figure out if Dilson Herrera is that guy, great. If we can find <laughs> out that he's not, well, okay, we've got, uh, you know, Peraza, we've got, I think Eugenio Suarez makes a lot of sense for second base long term if they need if they need somebody there. So, but you you can't start that process of figuring out where 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 do we already have players? Where do we have the key components for the next competitive team, and where do we not have those players so we can start focusing on filling in? And I don't think we know enough about Dilson Herrera yet to know whether he's the guy. And I'm hopeful that this uh, trade means that the front office is serious about finding out. Right. The only disaster of 2017 is if you go into 2018 with a lot of the same questions that you have in 2017, and that could still potentially happen. I mean, it could still happen. You know, Peraza could could flop, and Herrera could flop, and you have no answer about who's playing second base and or whatever. Those things could still potentially happen, but we knew that Brandon Phillips was not going to be the red second baseman in 2018. So why would you play around with having him there in 2017 while you, when you have two guys that you need to figure out whether or not they can handle the job? 
Right, and even if we do have those same questions about whether, uh, you know, about who's the second baseman and who's the shortstop, at least we would have answered the questions, well, it ain't Peraza and it ain't uh, Herrera, Herrera. You know, I mean, so you're still still getting more information. You're collecting information this year. When nobody expects the Reds to compete, you got to collect as much information as you can about the guys that you have so that you can be uh, better identify who you need. And uh, this is a... We've seen several uh, moves, I think, on the offseason that gives me some hope that uh, Dick Williams and the current front office uh, sort of have, have the right idea. I think the way I put it, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and um, the way I put it was that in Dick Williams and the current front office, they're not perfect, but it's sort of a breath of fresh air that uh, there's a little bit different uh, way of thinking than we've seen in the past. And I'm encouraged. You know. Well, I, I certainly feel like the – plan is more apparent um you know i always felt like uh walt jockety lived in the tried to have two the feet in two streams go in different directions you know he always wanted to have a competitive team on the field and he always wanted to be rebuilding as well or you know at least the last couple of years and it just can't you can't play those games. You've got to commit one way or the other. And I feel like at the very least, Dick Williams has committed to the fact that, you know, this is the direction we're going and, you know, for good or bad, we're going to see it through. And I'm not uh, going to really defend Walt Jockety much, but some of that could have been coming from ownership, you know, oh, yeah. having to, and probably was, frankly, you know, we've got these uh, players that are beloved in town and we had this great run and, oh, I don't want to give up on it just yet. And, uh and what happened in the last year, year and a half, two years, is that it's been clear to everybody that this is not working. And so uh, maybe it made it a little easier for Dick Williams to fully commit to that. Maybe we're giving him uh, more credit. Maybe it's just a better environment for him to commit to it. But I think the front office under Dick Williams certainly has committed to it. And uh, it's really th- – this team right now is a lot more interesting to me anyway than the team that started the 2016 season. They may not win anymore, but I, although I think they will, uh, but they're not uh, – they're certainly much more interesting. Do you agree with that? Well, absolutely. And and so this is what I would say to people that are that feel like, well, Brandon Phillips was my favorite Reds player, and now I can't forgive them for trading him. Um, it frequently happens in the game of baseball where you have youth come in and they bring a different kind of excitement. And so I hope that people who are you know, turning themselves off from the Reds because Brandon Phillips was their favorite player will at least give Peraza and Herrera and uh, you know some of these other young guys a chance to show you what they can do. They may not be up to Phillips's standard, um, but that doesn't mean they can't be exciting in their own right and in their own way. I mean, there was a lot that I saw from Peraza last year that has me hopeful. I mean, there are things that I also feel hope that he is able to adjust and make changes. But there's a lot that I saw from him that I that makes me excited about seeing a player like him play every day for the Reds. And that's exactly what I was saying when when I say that they're more interesting this year. Man, getting to see what Peraza's going to do that's that's going to be fun. I mean, this, you know, he had times last year where he looked amazing. And you're right, there are plenty of things for him to work on. He's what 22, 23, so that's going to happen. But uh, man, being able to see can he be the guy? Can he be a really solid player? Uh, he's been a top prospect before. It's funny he was a top one of the top prospects, maybe the top prospect in the Braves system at one time. Could have been playing second base for the Braves, but now they've got this guy Phillips, uh, Herrera, uh, Jesse Winker, these pitchers, uh, Amir Garrett, Cody Reed. I'm still uh, excited to see what he's going to do 
this year. I think there's just a lot of reasons to watch. And plus, the biggest reason to watch is we still got to watch Joey Votto do his thing every day. Can't uh, right. forget that. So it's a it's an interesting team, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, young teams are always that way. I mean, young teams uh, with untapped potential always kind of have a certain air of excitement about them because you just don't know what you might get. Now, I mean, again, what you might get could just be uh, the dregs of the league and they might end up being not worthy of being major league players. Um, but, you know, they might also surprise you and do things that you never expected to see. And that's that's a little bit – I mean, it's a fun brand of baseball. Uh, obviously, we would all much rather be in a situation like where the Cubs are right now, celebrating a world championship and having a good, young, talented team. Um, but that's not where we are, and the Reds aren't going to get there uh, instantaneously. So you got to give them a chance to try to build that and try to do the best they can to build that, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and if, if you're not uh, expecting to compete for championships, then – I, you know, I guess the best we can hope for is, is what we've got. An interesting team, a young team, uh, and it's uh, I'm full of optimism, frankly, for this bunch. Uh, you know, they, They're not all going to pan out, but I hope, hope a lot of them do. My favorite of the young guys is this guy they brought in, uh, pitcher, long hair. What's his name? Arroyo, uh, Bronson Arroyo. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is technically young <laughs> compared to me. So well, There you go, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's funny to say on the, on the week that they signed Bronson Arroyo that uh, we've got a young team, but uh, – Arroyo's a – I just had to mention him. Well, I mean, young teams also need to have veteran players. <laughs> so, okay, we had mentioned that we weren't going to get too far into this, but I do have – I want to say one thing about about the Bronson Arroyo signing because it's always stuck with me. Um, I heard a quote uh, via my, my good buddy John Arardi, um that Johnny Cueto had told him one time that he really learned to pitch by watching, specifically watching – Mike Leak and Bronson Arroyo pitch. Um, Bronson Arroyo may not be a successful pitcher, but there are benefits to having somebody like that on your staff performing on a regular basis uh, and showing younger players. Specifically, I think somebody like Brandon Finnegan could really use the influence of seeing somebody like Bronson Arroyo succeed without uh, having to blow the ball by everybody all the time. Um, And... so that is my feeling about Bronson Arroyo. If he makes a spot, if he if he earns a spot on the rotation. So if he pitches well enough that he that he can go out there and survive on a regular basis, I'm okay with him taking a spot in the rotation just to demonstrate for some of these younger pitchers, um, look, you don't need to go out there and blow it by everybody all the time in order to be a successful pitcher. And some of them may benefit from seeing that, and some of them uh, may not be able to recognize uh, that success um, and or that path to success. But the ones that do will grow as pitchers, I think. Anyway, we're talking about Brandon Phillips. <laughs> Well, let me just quickly, you're exactly right in, in my opinion. When he was here before and pitching so well, it was amazing to watch how he did it uh, while changing arm angles and speeds and just really pitching, uh, you know, really uh, thinking. And you're right, that could help some. Um, so, yeah, Brandon Phillips, remember him? He used to play yeah. for the Reds. <laughs> uh, like Bronson Royal, I think both of those guys are uh, Reds Hall of Famers, in my yes. opinion. And mm-hmm. uh, let's do a little bit of a discussion of where you know Phillips's career in Cincinnati and you know people forget when he was 
uh, Wayne Krivsky engineered that trade way back when for the immortal Jeff Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brandon Phillips was uh, out of options with the Indians. He was had been a former hot prospect. Was traded uh, from the Expos in the Bartolo Colon deal, I think. Um, out of options, the, he wasn't going to make the Indians. The Reds traded him for uh, Reds traded for him, giving up. Uh, it was a player to be named later. Ultimately, was Jeff Stevens, and uh, I guess the rest is history. And and what a what a career. I mean, we, we everybody thinks that we're anti Brandon Phillips, or at least me. Because I say it's time to move on, but come on, I mean, uh, I can appreciate what a fantastic career, like you said earlier, while still saying it was time to move on. And uh, any thoughts about his full career for the Reds? Well, I think one thing to point out that maybe we forget because we've talked about this before with like Jay Bruce when he came on the scene, it was so like dynamic and incredible to watch. But his was only like you know two weeks, and then he started to really tail off. Brandon Phillips was really pretty awesome. Like the first maybe two, I don't know, three months, um, you know, uh, what is it? Through his first seventy games or so, he was batting over three twenty. He had a three seventy on base percentage. Uh, um, you know, he was driving runners in. He was doing so. He he really came on the scene like when he was when he was. The Reds dealt for him. I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, another failed prospect. What are we doing? And then, like, he came in and and, and established himself as, you know, second base is my position from here on out. You guys do not need to worry about this anymore. And uh, and really, you know, put himself into a position in, uh, as, like, an, this exciting young player. And it was great. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um uh, and then, you know, in 2007, he went on and had that 30-30 season. And so, you know, he really, like those first couple of seasons really made an indelible mark uh, in the franchise. Um, and it was quick. It wasn't like, uh, you know, we had to watch him go through any growing pain. So that was, uh, it's rare that you get that kind of a deal for a young player who hasn't had any success that all of a sudden comes in and doesn't have, you know, there aren't any bumps on the road to, out, out of the gate. He, he really hits the ground running. So you really have to uh, commend Wayne Krivsky for making that deal and recognizing, uh, you know, that not just that the talent was there, but that it was ready um, and ready to go, uh, and and worth, you know, the Reds taking a chance on a guy like that. Yeah, plugging him in. You know, I went back recently in the last couple of weeks and looked back at some of our coverage of that Brandon Phillips trade back then, and and the quote that cracked me up was. If he can just be a younger, cheaper version of Tony Womack, we'll be happy. <laughs> and instead of that, we got a Reds Hall of Famer, you know. Yes. I mean, yeah. Um, and you're right. He had played in parts of four seasons with the Indians, but had been a top prospect uh, before, but had played in parts of four seasons. Ultimately ended up with about a season's worth of plate appearances with Cleveland. Uh, he hit 206, you know, 246 on base percentage and just not, not much. Um, the one year that he got a real 2003 as a 22-year-old, he got a, a real shot, played 112 games that year and hit 208, uh, 242 on base, 311 slugging. And then his first year with the Reds, you know, they plug him right in and he he was ready. 149 mm-hmm. games, hit 17 home runs that year, which just blew all of us away. Um, you know, yeah. and, and just across the board, fantastic. And then uh, in his third season, he wins his first gold glove. He's not. Some people are trying to claim he's the best second baseman in Reds history. He's not, but man, he's awfully good. I mean, he's he's played more games than uh, all but one other second baseman. He's dropped, driven in more than more runs, excuse me, than 
any other red second baseman in history. Uh, made three all-star teams, four gold gloves, uh, you know, on the Sports Center top ten every night, <laughs> seems like, for the, his fielding exploits. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's top a- ten all-time for the Reds in games, runs, hits, doubles. Uh, he's 12th in home runs. I mean, this is – you know, this is again. This is a guy that was traded for a player to be named later, and um, you know, you can't ask for anything more than what you got out of Brandon Phillips and his career for the Reds. Yeah, you know, only seven people, I guess, since 1900. Only seven players for the Reds since 1900 have played more games in a Reds uniform than Brandon Phillips. I mean, that's you know, that's, that's something to be said for that kind of longevity and uh, for where that puts him. Uh, you know, he's not he's not with Rose uh, Larkin bench maybe. Uh, in, in production, but you know, he's one of the he's played more with the Reds than just about anybody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think sometimes when these kinds of situations happen, and uh, you know, we, obviously on Twitter there was big arguments. There were some people that you know, like you said, some people claiming that he's uh, the best second baseman in Reds history, and everybody's like, uh, Joe Morgan. He's not Joe Morgan. But let's not gloss over the fact that nobody is Joe Morgan. I mean, exactly. there's maybe one or two second basemen in the conversation with Joe Morgan in history. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the fact that Brandon Phillips was not Joe Morgan. Um, you know, he he was everything you could ask for from a second baseman outside of on base percentage. Everything you could ask for from yeah. a second baseman. You know, he was a an average hitter throughout, you know, every once in a while he'd bump up above average as a hitter, but he was an average hitter, a very good defensive player, was fun to watch, uh brought some excitement to the game. Um yeah, I don't I mean he wasn't my favorite player. I, you know, I didn't defend him a lot. I didn't. Uh, I don't feel like I bashed him. There was a period, I think, at Red when I was writing at Red Reporter, where perhaps I was maybe a little more negative on him than most people. But, um, you know, I think if I look back on his career, I mean, it's a little bit of a sad day that he's getting dealt because it's the end of an era. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a fun era, not the last couple of years, but those. Uh, 2010 to 2013 were very enjoyable years, and in a large part because of what Brandon Phillips did for the Reds. Yeah, he was a huge part, a huge contributor to those really fun teams that we had. And you know, he was always—I think the smile is what always uh, everyone's going to remember. Just always smiling on the field, and and I was the same way. I wasn't a, a huge, necessarily a huge Brandon Phillips fan all the way through for various reasons. But uh, you know, last year I. I put it in a, in a piece I wrote that I sort of gained an appreciation for what he's done for the Reds, uh, for hanging around so long and being you know somewhat productive all those years. And there are the points we don't need to talk about uh, where he's gotten some bad publicity, but I think in the long run he's going to be remembered for that smile and for those highlight plays. And and I think he's going to I think ultimately he's you know I don't know I don't want to use the term overrated, but I think he's going to be remembered very warmly in Cincinnati and. Uh, as well he should be. And and I hope that with the way the deal has gone down, I hope that when it comes time for him to uh, – when he is ultimately elected to the Reds Hall of Fame, and th- there's no doubt about it that he's going to be, um, I hope that it's a uh, positive experience when he comes back because it's so much better for the franchise when older players come back and are celebrated for the experience, you know, for the the positive things that they did, Um, you know, and I hope that uh, I really hope that 
you know, whatever negative feelings he might be feeling today dissipate as time goes on. I hope so too. And it's also why I hope that it, uh, when he does start talking, when the microphones get in front of him, that he doesn't burn too many bridges or uh, go overboard a little bit because I, I, I said it on Twitter uh, again, as we talk about Twitter um, this morning that, you know, he could play this right. His career ends. Come, He could move back to Cincinnati if that's what he wants to do, but he could spend the rest of his life being Brandon Phillips and being beloved in Cincinnati uh, for that. Uh, you know, just I, ho- I hope it I hope it turns out well in the long run. I think it will. I think some of the hard feelings will they always go away, seems like. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, and there's no and there's no reason he shouldn't be celebrated as a uh, one of the best players in Reds history because he was. Right. Mm hmm. Agreed. All right, we agreed on something. It's amazing. <laughs> well, we're not on Twitter. So. <laughs> exactly. No, no one agrees on Twitter. Uh, any other thoughts uh, summing up Brandon Phillips' career, or uh, you know, where do we go from here? Anything else? No, I mean it'll be interesting to see now what happens with Zach Hozart. Uh, I don't think anybody has any kind of feel for whether or not um, there's any any pending stuff with Cozart, any pending possible deal with Cozart. Um, ideally, it would be nice if both Peraza and Herrera were in the lineup on a regular basis. And and to be fair and honest, I kind of hope for Zach because I, I kind of get this feeling that Zach's career is going to be uh, – it's not going to stretch out as long as Phillips's did. You know, Zach has dealt with injuries a little bit more and all that. But I kind of hope for his sake that he goes to – he gets an opportunity to go somewhere where he gets to go to the playoffs again and uh, and and contribute to a playoff team um, because he seems like a genuinely likable guy and he's really worked hard to improve his game over the last couple years. Um, so I hope the Reds are able to find a match for him and uh and find a place for him to be able to go and contribute to a winning team i couldn't agree more with that uh cozart just seems like uh, one of the nicest guys. and uh, all reports from everybody that, that knows him is that he's just a fantastic guy and a fantastic teammate and and we may have to do another one of these podcasts if and when he's traded because i think he's had an, sort of an underrated reds career he's not a he's not a superstar never has been but you're right he's been consistently productive and worked really hard to be more productive certainly at the plate and uh you know, if he gets to play a lot early in this season while they're trying to, to find a destination for him, I, I don't mind watching Zach Cozart play. Uh, at least we've got a little bit more room for these, some of these other kids to play now. Definitely. And and we do have a, I, sh- a, I should mention, we have a piece going up at Red Leg Nation on Monday morning written by Matt Wilkes, just looking at destinations, potential destinations for Zach Cozart. And the long and the short of it is there aren't very many right now. So it's, right. But uh, that could change. Right. He's- you know, and and uh, the beat writers have been you know kind of beaten on this, uh, no pun intended, but uh, that it really is going to come down to a team having a need. Um, the the good thing with somebody like Cozart, and I've said this for a couple years, that you can trade him to a team where he maybe is going to go and start for three or four weeks until the the regular shortstop comes back, um, and then having him on your bench is. You know, especially like in the postseason where he can come in and play superb defense for you at shortstop. I imagine uh, he could probably play third base um, and definitely second base, assuming he can handle the, you know, the slight differences in the positions. But he's skilled enough with the glove that he could probably handle either of those positions and, and really transition well into a platoon or a, um, a utility type player for your team, especially for a team that maybe uh, could use a, a strong glove at any one of those positions. 
Yeah, you might like to see him uh, sort of ease into a Juan Castro role, a guy that ended up playing a long time with great hands. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Kozar's got a little bit of pop, you know. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's not the worst hitter up there. He could, he could fill in with someone when someone gets injured. And I think that's what we're going to be waiting for is for someone to get injured uh, on a contender at some point in the first half of the season. And mm-hmm. Kozar's got to be, will have to be at the top of the, at the top of the wish list for uh, I can't I don't because I don't know who else will be available. So, um, and you know I'm gonna hate to see him go as well, but he's another guy that I'm rooting for, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, uh, the the year just got a little bit more interesting, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. It, you know, there's certainly more to be uh, looking forward to in spring training. Uh, the roster, I, I guess you could just say, the roster is just a little less stale. Uh, you know, or, and I think the roster in you know 2014 and 15, and even a little bit last year, was a little bit stale. You get tired of seeing the same players over and over, and so sometimes turnover can just be a little bit more exciting. So we'll try to take that positive spin on the deal. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll certainly. I think you'll join me in wishing Brandon Phillips the best of luck. Uh, hope he has nothing but success for the rest of his career. I appreciate you joining me again here, Joel. We're going to try, we've talked about trying to, whenever there's breaking news, jump on here and do a quick podcast to sort of break it down uh, in the wake of the news. And I do appreciate you jumping on so quickly with me, man. Yeah, you know, family gets in the way sometimes, but thankfully my family is enjoying the nice weather outside today, so I can stay inside and talk on the computer. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man, what a life. What a life. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to, uh, downloading to, and listening to Red Leg Nation Radio. I uh, hope you go subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcasts. And join us at redlegnation.com. You can find Joel on Twitter at JLuckup. That's J L U C K H A U P T. Did I get that right? Yeah. All yeah, right. Good. You can find me on Twitter too, but you have to search. I'm not going to lead you there. You don't want, you don't want to follow me. Um, all right. Joel, thank you. Thank you. For Joel Luckup, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week.